The following talk was recorded at Label the Planet 2021 Empowering Users, the annual conference on current issues in ethics, social justice and technology from the Free Software Foundation. Label the Planet is a live conference and speakers often use slides and other visual tools to assist their presentation. You can see the videos of these talks at media.libreplanet.org or on the FSF Peertube channel. Label Planet speakers do not represent the mission of the Free Software Foundation. We host speakers talking about their use of free software in different kinds of political and commercial work. The FSF supports their freedom, but does not take positions on any political issues other than those necessary to uphold the principles of free software. Like all the FSF's work on behalf of the grievance of all computer users, Nemo Planet is made possible by thousands of individuals. To keep our work going, please consider becoming an associate member via my.fsf.org join or making a donation at my.fsf.org donate. You can stay informed by subscribing to our newsletter, The Free Software Supporter, at fsf.org fss and for more information on LibrePlanet, you can visit libreplanet.org conference. In your life. Okay, great. Um, hello, everyone. And uh, let me please introduce myself. I'm Stefan. I'm the room monitor for this session. I'm also handling question in the IRC channel. My nickname is Dances with Cycles. So please tag me for any questions. And at the end of the talk, I'm restating all your good questions so that everyone, all the audience is aware of the questions, not only the one in the IRC channel, and that we have a, can have a good discussion with our speakers today. And um, let me give you a short introduction. Um, session is titled PLOM, Paperless Open Marking, and will be presented by Victoria Schuster with help from Raiden Beep and Vala Vakilian. Uh, Victoria is a fourth year engineering physics student at the University of British Columbia. Her recent work has focused on bringing free designs to medicine and educational spheres, especially with regards to treatments for coronavirus. In this talk today, this panel will introduce their undergraduate summer project in which they improved the functionality of paperless open marking, or PLOM. The GPL version 3 license test taking system currently in use at the University of British Columbia. PLOM is a software system that enables students to take tests on paper and get them marked and returned online with a maximum respect of their privacy. So that about the introduction. Now I like to hand over to the panel and. Uh... Yeah, thank you so much, Stefan, for the gracious introduction. As he stated, uh, I'm Victoria, and I'm joined by Dryden and Fala, and we are here to talk to you about PLOM or paperless open marking. So as he mentioned a bit about who we are, the three of us are undergraduate students at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. And we had the pleasure to contribute to PLOM during summer 2020 and for myself continuing beyond into this year. Dryden and Bala are computer engineering students and I myself am an engineering physics student at UBC. PLOM was actually created by uh, two mathematics professors 
Professor Andrew Rochester and Professor Colin McDonald from UBC. Uh, so we can't take all the credit for PLOM. And as anyone in the audience who's worked on free software knows, it really does take a village to come up with something great. So we would also like to begin this talk by thanking all of those who helped make PLOM what it is, um, all based there on the Git log. So a little bit of an outline of our talk, we will start by describing the history and motivation of our talk. Then we will talk about the PLOM workflow and give a short demo of how this would be used for a grader. Uh, then we'll talk about how the move online impacted PLOM, our student involvement, and most importantly, how to get students more involved in free software from the undergraduate perspective. At the end, we'll have some time for questions. So if you have any questions, feel free to leave them in the IRC. So a bit of the history and motivation behind PLOM. What were Colin and Andrew thinking? Well, Andrew teaches a large undergraduate um, first year mathematics course. And with so many sections of this course spread out between about 36 hours, he needed to be able to have lots of versions without having to actually create hundreds of versions. As you can imagine, having two students really tight next to each other for a math course, he was quite worried that one would be cheating off of the other. So to have two students with different versions, as well as having different students from different sections of the course, meaning different times that they would take the exam doing different versions was really important to him. Colin uh, needed to be able to return these tests without meeting humans. And what do, you, what do I mean by this? Well, this was back in 2018 and due to insufficient classrooms, he was forced to teach his second year mathematics course online. And what this meant was he had to have a platform to return his exams without actually meeting the students in person. Now it's important to note that these were both large classes. For Andrew, it was 1,250 students and it was also quite large for Colin. So they both found themselves in this predicament of needing a way to return exams. And they had some concerns. So obviously there were commercial and non-free software available to do this, but they all had major drawbacks. So they were not cheap. You couldn't buy the software and you paid per student. So for 1,250 students in a class, that was a really large chunk of money for a mathematics department. The commercial software solutions would get student data. And with the privacy concerns that we have about student data and it may, being private for each student, this is really concerning. We didn't know what they would be doing with it. And there have often been scandals where commercial software have exploited student data for their own benefit. Most importantly, there's some very long and ambiguous agreements that really don't protect student privacy, and they wanted to make sure that they were using something that was going to protect their students' privacy as best they could. So they had some shared questions that they realized they had together. First, of course, they thought they could build something to give better feedback to students, um, make sure that even for that Math 100 course or Math 101, that the students were actually receiving the midterm feedback that they'd gotten because otherwise they would often end up with stacks of graded midterms that no one would ever collect. Secondly, surely we can better protect student data. We can make sure that it stays private. And third, how hard could it be to build a free software solution for this problem? Well, by the end of 2018, they had accomplished some of their goals. So Plum was being used in five courses for approximately 2,500 papers. And at this point, they hadn't had any major problems. So even today, no major problems, which is a great sign. The basic workflow of PLOM would be that they would generate tests in the software and they would be randomized and printed. These would then be 
used by students, pen and paper, in a classroom, just like a regular exam, at which point it would be scanned and uploaded. Then these exams would be simultaneously graded by a large team of teaching assistants, or as we like to call them, TAs. And at this point, we had some baby steps towards integration into our learning management software. Sadly, many of these LMS systems are not free, but we have to work within the balance of what we're given by the university, and this was unavoidable. So integration into the software was key. So by the end of 2018, there's a lot more development. Um, Andrew and Colin, they're both mathematics professors, so their work on this is great, but the sad part is uh, they don't have much experience in software development. So by the end of 2018, we had a lot of code cleanup. They were moving towards less Andrew style code and more standard Python code. There was also better use of version and control tracking using GitLab. And at this point, there were three contributors, which included Elvis Kai, which was a student contributor like ourselves. And now I will pass over um, just in a second, but after I talk about free software. So as I mentioned before, the other platforms available are not free. And this is really key. One is free software from the ground up. It's Libre and it is freely licensed and built from FOSS components. It's gratis, meaning that there's no dollar amount associated with it, and it really respects our teaching assistant and students. The source code and development is on a public Git repository, and its licensing means that the code will always stay public. The data for each student stays on the server of the school or the administrator of the exam which really respects student privacy. There's no third parties involved and there's a lot of pedagogical potential. So you can really analyze the rubric data to see what's useful for your classroom. For an instructor, this means that you could have an auto-generated list of the most common issues. Or for students, you could auto-generate a list of the most important things that they could improve on um, based on the individual rubric that they had and the feedback that they were given. And now I will pass it over to Vala, who will talk about how to run the PLOM test and will give you a short demo. Vala? Thank you, Victoria. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Vala, and I've been involved in the PLOM project since the summer of 2020, as mentioned. So I'm going to give you an idea on the workflow of PLOM uh, for the client application and try to give you a better understanding of how the project is meant to be used. So the first part of using PLOM, just like any other exam, is the actual test design. Note that before you start using PLOM, you have to have a number of requirements. You have to have the different versions of the exam. You have to know how many questions you're using. And you also have to know how many pages you're allocating to each of those questions uh, for the answer. Um, uh, one more thing is that you also have to know the scores allocated to each of the questions. And we'll get into this a little bit more deeper from the demo. And you also know, have to know the student name and the IDs, because we print the different versions with the student name and IDs. Um, so there's a lot less work needs to be done into the student. They don't have to actually put down their names and IDs. Um, so when this information is generated, let's see. This is allowing me to change. Yeah. So when this information is actually generated, um, uh, uh, you can use the PLOM build and print tools to generate the PDFs, and it actually puts a number of uh, small QR codes on the corners that we'll uh, show you later that are actually used for identification and sorting for the paper. So after you um, print the papers, you give them to the students during the exam, and now you have the written papers. So you're with a stack of papers that you're going to have to, you're gonna have to uh, scan. So here's where the legwork comes in. 
Uh, you're going to have to find a responsible TA to scan the papers and take care of them and upload them to the server. Here's where another one of the tools, the PLOM scan tool, comes to play. Um, it actually makes it a lot easier to do all the scanning and uploading because of the QR codes that allows for the ordering and distribution of the questions to the TAs that are supposed to be marking it. Um, so here's where the real value of PLOM comes into play. As, as, uh, from here on, as long as you have the PLOM servers, right, the PLOM clients, meaning the TAs who are meant, the teaching assistants who are meant to mark these papers, uh, can start marking the papers asynchronously, right? There's no need to deliver the paper to them, no need to have them all sit in the same room. Um, they can just log on to their computers with their personal or uh, school computers and uh, start creating. And not only is this significantly easier, um, but it also uh, speeds up the marking process by a lot when you have like a thousand papers to mark. So um, from here on, I'm going to switch to my uh, screen and show you guys an idea, uh, a demo version of PLOM. Let's try to see if it's going to allow us. Um, so let's try, yeah, I assume everybody should be able to see my screen here. Yeah, so first of all, I'm going to use a demo version of Plum, which adds some uh, gibberish answers to a bunch of papers. Um, this is not meant to be a real example of what an exam is supposed to look like. If your exam ever, if, if your student answers ever look like this, you, you should really reconsider how you're writing the exam. So let's take a look at the paper. Can I just, can, can I just interrupt you for a second? Can you try re-screen sharing? It's showing the button. Oh, I see. Let's try screen sharing yeah let's try that um, so everybody should be able to see right about now right perfect perfect yeah um, so uh, I actually logged in as my user zero initially and uh, this is an example of a demo paper right we added some um, some just Inspirational quotes here. Uh, no real exam is going to look like this. If they do, you're going to have to reconsider the way you're teaching the course. But yeah, so right on the left side, we can kind of see the type of paper, the, the papers that I'm assigned to as user zero, as one of the TAs who's supposed to mark them. I'm going to choose one of them. And I'm going to start annotating and marking it. So first on the left side, you can kind of see a number of annotation tools. I can like draw boxes, put tick marks, and uh, like add lines or even uh, some scribbly lines if I want to. Uh, so um, one thing to note here is the is the important is the commenting system. So on the bottom left here, more like on the left side here, um, this is our commenting panel. So you can add and uh, so one thing that we try to encourage with Plom is that when you try to remove grades or add grades, you always do this with a comment. Of course, you also have the option of doing this without adding any uh, uh, comments, but we try to make this um, learning, ex this grading experience better both for the TA and for the student to learn from their mistakes. So I'm going to perhaps add like a little marker here, giving them that you, you know, made a mistake in, a, in an exam. I'm also going to try to create my own comments, right? I'm going to put good job, but wrong question, right? and with a little uh, question mark over there, and I'm gonna assign it like a mark of plus one, meaning this was like somehow something that I'm gonna give a little bit of plus one for the effort, but not much else. Um, so yeah, right away you can see how important the commenting system is going to be 
um, uh, for figuring out the different uh, type of feedback you can give to your student. I'm going to move on to my next paper, right? So this person um, clearly didn't give a much of a, a correct answer to the question. So here's, I'm going to show you some like other features. Like for example, I can actually insert an image here to give a better understanding of the actual, um, you know, answer that the student gave. So I'm going to add a little meme here. So you know, he didn't really answer the question correctly. So I'm just going to put it. But anyway, uh, jokes aside, the main thing here to note is that you can see how adding like a simple graph. Um, to a mathematical like question where the TA is trying to explain where the student did wrong could be so important in trying to really convey the message. And there aren't actually many tools out there or any tools out there that provide this kind of flexibility for a student and a TA who's grading. Um, so now let's say I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done, you know, I'm, I'm at least done some of the papers that I've done. And you can see that it tells me what mark I gave them the amount of time I'll spend on each paper. And I'm going to you know, quit as this user. So this is the original landing page. I'm going to go and mark in and try to log in as a secondary TA. As another user with different password, I'm going to try to mark. Yeah, so you can see that I'm marking the same. Uh, if I try to mark this paper, I'm marking the same question, question 0 out of 5. And one thing that's kind of important to note here is the comment. You can see that this comment that I created from the, for the other TA in the, in the comment box is actually shared with other TAs who are marking question one. The main benefit of this is if you're, let's say you're a TA who's trying to mark a question and someone got a chain rule wrong, right? You don't know how much mark you're supposed to take off or add uh, based on like the rubric. You can see here, however, how much your other fellow TAs reduced or added grades for this question, and at least you have an idea. This kind of keeps the grading consistent among uh, the same question in the entire exam, which is something that we try to you know, encourage a lot so that we have balance in the grading. You can also have the professor add some rubric grades here that just makes it much more clear. And I know this happens a lot where TAs just have a problem of understanding what answer uh, like, is supposed to be given how much grade. Um, so yeah, kind of uh, with, that, with that out of the way, just adding some comments. Uh, one thing that I would suggest uh, is uh, if you guys have the time, to please try out the demo server. It's very easy to run. And try out all the different um, um, tools and features that we've uh, put into Plum. So um, with that out of the way, I'm just going to give us quick idea, quick introduction to the Plum Manager tool. So the Plum Manager tool is actually meant to be used by uh, um, the professors or whoever is administrating an exam. And it kind of gives a, a, like an overview as the, on the grading mark process, on uh, how much progress is being made on like the grading, some information about how much, how much how the grades, of the, the grade distribution of the students so far. And so I'm not going to go too much into detail for this tool, but you can, um, you're, uh, please feel free to try it out and see all the different type of possibilities that are available with the PLOM tool. Uh, I'm going to try to go back to the presentation now. Yeah, so um, let's say uh, the grading is completed. Uh, this, all the TAs have graded all the papers. We're going to move on to the, the last step of this entire process, which is um, reassembly and returning the papers. So we have the different marked pages, pages assigned to each of the TAs. Uh, we just reassemble them based on the QR code, and we put them directly into the, in this, the same PDF um, and uh, return the grades with the Plum Finish tool. Yeah, uh, it's very simple and easy, piece of cake. Um, so 
Uh, yeah, you can also find the Plom demo and all of this data regarding installing and using Plom in the in this uh, link with the Plom org. So let's talk a little bit just about the Plom advantages, the key things to keep in mind. First is um, uh, one is the versioning system, right? So take away this example here. We have uh, three versions of the exam, each have three questions. Note that the, sec the third question is like two pages. Um, by creating different mixtures of the exam, we can create up to 81 different versions of the exam. Measures like this kind of increase the integrity of the exam and deter any academic misconduct. Um, a second major benefit is that obviously the reduction in the paper handling, right? Um, <clears throat> All the grading is online, and um, you, after you're done with the, uh, with the scanning, you don't have to actually use the papers anymore. And this gives rid of a lot of problems regarding missing papers and significantly just speeds up the entire grading process. Um, and finally, by, by making TAs uh, mark specific questions without seeing the student name, we try to remove any bias from the marking. And uh, also, because of the common sharing system, TAs can get an idea on how the other TAs uh, graded this question and can, provide a be, can, be, can be provided with a rubric by the administrator to reduce the marking variation for the same question across exams, which I personally think is a very important thing when trying to grade like large amount of papers. Um, so yeah, uh, from here on, I'm just going to hand it back to Victoria and Dryden uh, to explain the impact on PLOM and student contribution to the project. Thank you. Guys? Sweet. Um, oh, thank you, Vala. Um, so, oh, wait, sorry. I'm going to pass it back. Yeah, so sorry about that. Um, so just to give you a little bit of perspective on where we were at with Plum, by January 2020, it was being used in 19 courses and about 10,000 papers. So that's that's a decent number of exams, and still, as I said, to this date, we haven't had any major problems. No student exams have been lost, so that is great for Plum and its consistency. Um, at this point, there are many more contributors, majority of which were faculty members of UBC, but there is still some student contribution. Um, the workflow at this point was simple enough that graders could use it and use it quickly and consistently. And then. Um, the big problem was that at the time, the administration work was still quite archaic. So the only people who were really administering exams were Colin and Andrew, although quickly that had to change. At the time, they found a lot of bugs and fixed them. And then something happened. So that was January 2020. That was a year and a half ago. And I'm sure you can all imagine what happened just a few months later. The University of British Columbia asked all professors, well, if you could move your classes to online by Monday, that would be great. Uh, so this meant online lectures, which is a completely different story, although Colin had experienced this. But the biggest thing was online assessment, and there were a lot of issues based on the logistics around online assessment, and also some issues um, regarding really being able to hand papers back and forth that made Plum even more appealing for a lot of professors to use in their classrooms. So with this, I will pass it back to Dryden, who will talk about student involvement and how to get students involved in free software projects. Hey, um, I'm Dryden. Uh, so like Vala and Victoria, I uh, contributed to PLOM uh, during summer 2020. So I will just go over um, what that was like for us, uh, what contributions we did to PLOM, what we learned uh, about this project, and then what we learned about free software in general. 
Um, and then the last thing I'll go over is just um, some of our takeaways as students being involved with free software and what worked, what didn't, uh, and what you can, what might work for you. Uh, so yeah, we were, all three of us were hired to contribute to PLOM during summer 2020. Um, yeah, so to, to start, we'll just be real quick. We'll go over our individual contributions uh, for PLOM. Uh, yeah, so, so for me, uh, what I contributed was uh, I had a lot of testing infrastructure, uh, which was sort of lacking. Um, and there's also some config and parsing issues that I, I had to work through. Um, yeah. Uh, voila. I think you get it. Think you get it. Yeah, um, I guess I worked a lot on the cleanup and the documentation for the large code base that was existing from before. Uh, I implemented some simple algorithms for the digit detection, which we need for the scanning tool and the sorting tool. And I also worked on the distributed comment processing database, the one that allows the comments and the rubric to be shared around, among different TAs. Yeah, so for myself, I worked primarily on the front end. I added some functionality to the marking GUI. Um, Bella previously showed the option of adding images. That was actually something that I implemented while I was working on PLOM in the summer. I also just worked on general front-end documentation and code cleanup. As I mentioned, Colin and Andrew have done a great job, but they are not software developers and they don't have much software experience. So for us to be able to implement some of the um, practices that we've learned in school, especially uh, in terms of documentation and clean code writing was really key. I am currently actually lucky enough to be working on Plum and I am working on the potential development of a future web interface. Although Plum is great, it's a little bit hard to access for a lot of our teaching assistants. So um, to build a web interface is really one of our next priorities. And I'll pass it back to Dryden. Cool. Um, so it's, I think it's important to acknowledge that we aren't the only students who work on this. There's been uh, many. Uh, and we, we hope to, to add to, uh, that this list only grows, um, perhaps with one of your students. So yeah. Um, and I think like, the second most important, uh, or actually perhaps the most important and most relevant to, to the audience here um, is, is our experience being exposed to free software students. Um, so students are the future maintainers uh, and creators of free software, um, and empowering users is in part about empowering students. So uh, for us, I know I can speak for all of us, is that we had very little exposure to free software before starting with Plum. Uh, that we had maybe heard a, a term or two or, or maybe used something once in a while, but it really was, uh, it was minimal. But, um, and this definitely changed with our contributions to Plum. Uh, and, and one very important part about this was uh, our faculty uh, mentors and people who run Plum, Colin and Andrew, really promoted a culture uh, of learning about and using free software and its ideals, uh, explaining the licenses and the license choices, um, using, uh, free alternatives to existing video or, or chat services uh, and explaining why that was important for communication during this project uh, and things like that and promoting the culture was, was very, I, was enlightening to all of us um, and, and something that was really useful. Um, and then another very important takeaway was moving about different licenses, uh, their advantages, disadvantages, uh, and the reasons that we chose uh, uh, the license for Palm that we did. Um, yeah. So again, we'll quickly go over each of our individual takeaways uh, about, uh, yeah, our experience with free software through Plum. Um, so I'll, I'll go, yeah. 
So the, the biggest takeaway for me was uh, understanding more free software licenses, um, why the AGPL v3 license would keep plum as free software, um, and also gives uh, context for other projects you might run into, or if we see an MIT license in a Git repo somewhere, uh, we'll understand what's going on. Uh, so the second most important thing for me was the uh, understanding the importance of data privacy uh, for students as a student who could be affected by this and, and was affected by this. Um, just understanding the role that free software can play um, and that the more users uh, understand and are confident, uh, it's, it's just better for everybody. Um, and the third thing was kind of, was the importance was understanding the importance of writing software in a way that promotes not only current collaborators but is inviting for future collaborators. So I know we've all hacked something together in an afternoon and it kind of does the job fine, but that's not really conducive to uh, future collaborators um, if we're making the soft the software open or the software free. Um, so yeah, just keeping that in mind in the future is uh, something that is a great takeaway for me. I'll pass it to Vala, and he can go over his. Sure, um, yeah. So for me, uh, some of the uh, some of the major points was understanding and how to participate in a free software project with a relatively large code base. I didn't have much of an experience getting exposed to that uh, from before. Um, software maintenance and standards, including coding standards, commenting standards, everything that could be used to further on at a later time enhance the performance of any participant who wants to help us with the project. I think that's something that's very important in free software that requires the community help to develop. And uh, a practical experience into distributed software development, I guess, for me, which, at some, which is trying to actually preserve the privacy of students by just having the school do all of the work regarding the grading and not have it being done by a third-party software in some server in some different country. Thank you. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so for myself, I'm getting a little echo. There we go. So for myself, uh, one of my key takeaways was learning about some of the best practices for working on a large code base in a team. Um, unlike Dryden and Vala, I'm an engineering physics student, so I have a little bit less experience with software, but being able to understand the best practices and how to make um, software and write code that is inviting, as Dryden said, for future collaborators was one of my key takeaways. I also uh, learned how to quickly grasp a variety of new software tools and platforms. So personally, I did a lot of work in PyQt, and that was a tool that I'd never known how to use prior to the Plum. So Learning about that and getting a better understanding of how to pick up better tools in the future was really a key takeaway for me. And um, the most important takeaway, I think, was the underappreciated opportunity that free software offers students as a means to learn and grow. I know all students understand the value of, say, a hackathon or an internship, but often don't see the similar value in contributing to an online free software project in your spare time. So, to really understand this for myself so that I can raise awareness among my peers and also be able to promote free software in my spare time was really the major takeaway from this project. Um, so I'll pass it back to Dryden. Great. Thanks. Uh, thanks, everyone. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll go over some, I'll go over some, uh, uh, um, yeah, some things we found were useful for involving students with free software, some things we found worked, and some things that we hope uh, will work for you. So, um, yeah, it's a big question, I guess, um, and it's, it's something important. But I think the first small step is to use it in the classroom uh, and to make it clear that what you're using is free software. 
So for using something like Plum uh, and explaining that it is free software, what that is, and just kind of letting the conversation start from there, um, you're not going to get every kid in your 1,200 person class to under to you know uh, pick up on this, but it is an, I think it's an important and small step that one can use to start a conversation. Um, so personally for us, uh, we were hired on this project uh, originally in the summer via grants available, um, teaching uh, educational grants internally from our university, but also some uh, coronavirus-related grants at the beginning of the summer from the local government, um, and then also a little bit of research grants. But yeah, looking for opportunities to leverage grants like this for free software uh, was critical to getting us involved and is something that might be underappreciated uh, for these things. Um, and then finally, and something we haven't done yet, but fingers crossed, uh, is a lot of technical degrees um, at many schools have like a final year course or final year capstone, um, which is just kind of a large technical project. Um, and this is a great candidate for free software, especially a free software project that you're championing. Um, so it might take a little bit of administrative legwork, but getting that set up uh, as a project for a capstone course at your school um, or a school that you might be involved in is uh, is a great opportunity to promote free software and to get some contributors. Please. Thanks, Dryden. Oh. So with that, uh, thank you all for your time. And if, if you're interested, we would love for you to help us make Plum better. So um, if you see this and you think that it's an appealing project for yourself or any others, you're welcome to go to plumgrading.org and join us in building the future of free software for educational purposes. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. This was a very interesting talk and it very much reminded me of my student time and I just realized it's almost 10 years uh, from now. Um, but still, I, I have some pretty good contact to my university, which is uh, Technical University in Braunschweig, Germany, and um, we have we have some general questions uh, from the IRC, and uh, I think we just uh, we have ten minutes left, so we just uh, start with the questions. Um, so there's a question from uh, Colin asking. What about security precautions such as unauthorized access to questions and expected answers? Yeah, so for us, we've actually found that Plum is significantly more secure than any of the other options available because it does not go through a web server. So um, we haven't had any experience with this. There's very specific credentials that are required for each person to log in, including um, the address. As well, um, if you compare this to current existing solutions, there's a lot more risk associated with those. So although it's not perfect, and obviously, if you have any ideas for how we can make Plum more secure, we would welcome them. Um, but we are doing the best that we can, and so far we found this to be a significantly more secure solution than anything else that's available. And that being said, it's also the most secure solution, and it happens to be a free software solution. So. Um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Um, yes, I mean, if it's not answering the question, everyone is welcome to go on and ask questions in the IRC channel. But in, in the meantime, um, you're saying there are 
right, there are other systems for, for, for assessment and marking. And when, when I remember going, going back the time as a student, I remember some, some departments having, having some systems there that have some features more or less. Um, I think not that much that uh, I now heard in, in Plum. So probably if there is a professor or department starting to, I don't know, use something new, there's probably some sort of transition or parallel existence. So um, do you have anything in mind how that can happen? Is there any way to, I don't know, import or export data like existing, importing existing tests or exporting something like exporting a test or result that I can input into another existing system? Um, I think, uh, Dryden, would you like to answer this one? I think this is more up your alley. Um, yeah. So this is, uh, this is something we've actually run into. Um, there's often, like, like you said, there's like existing systems uh, the university mandates. Um, and yeah, so we, there are uh, ways for Plum to integrate with this. Um, I don't, I don't know who added this, but it, there's like a, a proprietary solution that the university mandates. Um, and Plum does support uh, exporting grades um, from like a spreadsheet to students, as well as marked PDFs, which is uh, the point of getting this great feedback. So um, I know it is possible and we have, um, we have integrated with uh, our, our school's uh, learning management system, which I think is quite common. Uh, it's called Canvas. Um, but yeah, uh, I think a parallel existence and like getting people, uh, getting adoption, um, even if it's not uh, through, you know, whatever adoption is great. Um, and and we, there are ways to support it and uh, we welcome contributions yeah. for like other systems if you find something useful, for sure. And just to add a, a small detail onto that is that um, even at UBC, PLOM is nowhere near the only tool being used. I know at a lot of large institutions, there's many different learning management softwares that are being used at once or grading softwares even. So the big thing is to start small, um, but to introduce, introduce something like PLOM. Uh, luckily, PLOM is, can be a single test-based system. You don't have to use it for an entire course. So we welcome anyone who is interested. Try it out for one of your midterms. Um, and slowly but surely, you may get more and more of your instructors on board with this solution. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, two other questions, they just came up. There's one question from Vila Domiro. I don't know if I pronounced it right, but here goes. The, the students taking the test via Plum, did they notice the benefits of using free software like security or self-made independent solutions? So it's interesting because um, the three of us were actually in the class of the first exam that was taken through Plum back in 2018, our first Math 100 or Math 101 midterm. And sadly, we weren't told much about what Plum was or why there were QR codes on our exam. But I do think that being exposed to this would have made a big difference. Although we're not, um, or many students aren't told about Plum, we understand all of the risks behind other um, commercial software solutions and the risks to us in terms of data privacy. 
So I actually do think it makes a big difference for students to, to be exposed to Plum and it helps them understand why free software is so valuable. Um, but I guess this is part of the idea of educating students. We need to make sure that they understand this is why we're using Plum and this is the benefits that it provides. Um, do either of you have anything to add on? You are now unmuted. Yeah, it's just that, um, uh, that, yeah, that, that, that's like a, a work in progress of something that's like we're uh, looking to promote, but like hasn't been the biggest thing in the past. But yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I think like even over this last year, um, students have become more concerned with, with data privacy and privacy of taking tests in their own home. Um, so this is really a selling point now more than ever uh, for, for free solutions. And uh, just to add on to that, one other thing is about uh, like software developed by students is uh, we kind of get to see the impact of how like previously we were graded and what we would have wanted to see. And one of the things that we really did wanted to see was better impact and more consistency across the grading, which is something that Plum really hopes to achieve and actually works toward on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, understood. Um, um, here comes another question. Um, CMA Lonely. How much uptake have you had with various departments in the school and how much training did you need to do to get folks to use the system? Dryden, I think you're best to take this one. Um, yeah, so uh, we have had, um, I think, significant uptake. Um, but it's mostly contained within uh, the mathematics department at school. I know electrical and computer engineering also has taken a look. I'm not sure if it's ran officially yet for them. But as these things go, um, and, and as, as, as Palm was starting, it's, um, it's easy to get uptake from your colleagues when you wrote the software, and, and you can kind of help walk them through that. But there is a significant um, human cost to that uh, of, of providing like ad hoc management to your colleagues who are using your system. Um, and just uh, future contributions of Plum aim at minimizing that and making it, it already, it works quite well out of the box um, for sure, but just minimizing the need for, uh, for a Colin or an Andrew to give you a hand. Um, so yeah, yeah there's significant uptake, can... but it, it's kind of limited to mathematics so far, but, but definitely not in the future there's. Um, yeah, um, I'll add one little thing is that Plum is mostly important for handwritten work in things like mathematics or engineering, but it's less valuable for, let's say, marking an essay. So we haven't had much uptake from some of the arts departments just for this reason. Um, one thing that I'm working on right now is, as we mentioned earlier, building a web platform because we think that will be significantly more accessible, and we're hoping to see a lot more uptake with that available. But yeah. Yes, thank you, Anastad. Um, you just uh, added something about web platforms, and when I remember back to my student time, some some very conservative departments, uh, and I wanted to check my 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 marks, my my results. I had to go to the department to a certain hallway, and then find big posters with uh, tables of student numbers where I have to look for my student number and then find uh, my result publicly pre presented after all the searching. And what would be the perspective from the 
from from the student how how would uh, the perspective be from the student with the plum system you just mentioned uh, a web service uh, for me as a student i mean um and i used like i don't know my laptop or my phone and find my way through some sort of interface where i see like a status or result or something yeah so nowadays most universities have a online learning management software solution um, dryden mentioned that UBC uses Canvas, but most schools, especially in this online environment, have something like that available. And that's a means for students to get their grades and submit their work uh, to begin with. So what Plum does is Plum integrates with those systems so that we're able to pull the work submitted by students on Canvas and then return the grades so they see them on Canvas as well. Um, luckily, we're past the times of seeing a long list of student numbers in a dark hallway. But this is already something that's being used across, I would, I would doubt universities or all colleges. So um, it's definitely something that students are familiar with and Plum offers easy integration into this. Just to add to that, um, and we also have the option of actually just printing the PDFs that have been marked, although that is costly because of the printing process. But that is something that a more conservative type of professor or a classroom would be able to do with the grading system. Okay, understand. Um, we are at, at the end of the time, so the record will stop soon. Uh, you are uh, you are you are invited to join the RC channels for ongoing dis discussions. And uh, let me thank you very much for your talk. It was very interesting, and I wish you good luck for the ongoing of your of your project. And uh, yeah. Please, if there's anything to say, um, um, now is the time, or uh, if not, uh, thank you very yeah. much. Um, I'll just add one little thing, and I'll say thank you all for listening to our talk. And if you saw something that interests you, we welcome you to go to plumgrading.org, or if you find, if you try to download Plum and you see any issues, just to add an issue to the GitLab. And yeah, thank you all, and I hope that this conference empowers you to really understand and promote free software in your own communities.